I love uh, the opportunity today to think about how Sabbath for us is not just a week out of the year. But I want you to understand and I want you to see that Sabbath is a way of life. And if your soul right now is in turmoil, it's because Sabbath is missing from your life. What we just did for a week as a house to stop and rest and remember is about restoring and replenishing our soul. And the soul of America is uneasy right now. The soul of people is uneasy right now. And God's making you a promise. And if you'll enter into the rhythm of a lifestyle of Sabbath, if I will enter into the rhythm of a lifestyle of Sabbath, our soul will come to rest. That's the promise of one of the greatest passages of Scripture and a passage that's familiar probably to everybody in the building right now, whether you're a church person or not, is Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to unpack this psalm together, and we're going to look at the rhythm of the shepherd and the soul. And everybody's got a rhythm. Everybody's life has a rhythm. Um, I love uh, being a part of Auburn football. You know that. I bring that up because we won this week. I didn't bring that up on other weeks, but I'm excited this week that we're back and strong. And uh, I don't know who Arkansas State was, but we look great. And... Um, you know, I love, one of the things I love about being around our team, and it's true of most modern-day athletes right now, in, in this present day, you know, the head, we live in a headphone and an earphone world, right? So if you're on the train going to work, you got people with their earphones in, people are running with their earphones in, not a great idea, by the way, um, but people are on bikes with their earphones in, and getting ready for a game, an athlete, whether it's a single tennis player in a locker room, or whether it's a team of 80 guys in a football locker room, or 100 or smaller setting, a lot of people have got earphones on now. And I love it when we get to the stadium, our team comes in together, it's our house, it's our field, you know all that business, right? We come off the buses, we do the Tiger Walk, we come into the stadium, gates have just opened, there's very few people in there, and we're gonna circle up and do our prayer right on the middle of our field. But before that, everybody's just kind of owning the space. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody, any, anybody play sports anywhere in your life along the way? Little League football, you had your earphones on, you, you know, were pumping it up on the way there in the car. But, but everybody's just feeling the space, and so you got 80, 100 guys on the field, all over the field, different directions, and probably if there are 100 guys on the field, 90 of them have headphones on. I don't know where we lived before Beats came along, but thank goodness they did. And everybody's got something different going on. And I love it because I'm just trying to figure out what are they listening to, you know? You got some big old, you know, defensive lineman over there, and he's just walking like this, like... Well, okay, I think I got four good guesses about what that is. And you got somebody else, and they're just like, you know, they're just like giving you every word of every line. And they're just... <laughs> And I'm like, well, okay, yeah, great. And you got other people, and they're kind of got a little more ballet going, you know, and it's just kind of all these movements. And you're like, oh, Michael Buble, yeah, okay, great. I know what gets you ready to roll and ready to get into the moment, you know. And sometimes in the locker room, I'll go around, if I know people well enough, I'll just grab their phones and look, because I just kind of like to see, like, what's, what's, what's your deal right now? The guy, big guy, Tasha Cobbs. I mean, I'm thinking now, break every chain, break every chain. I'm like, Dad, yeah, play that about 20 times, and then go out onto the court or onto the field or whatever it is. But what's the idea of it? The idea is I want to get in a winning mindset. 
And so what I need to do right now, because there's, there's noise and there's people and there's distractions and there's an environment and there's a whole world out there. I mean, forget about the rest of life that I'm a human being and I've got a family and I've got business going on and I've got stuff happening. But for the next few minutes, I need a winning mindset. So what I'm gonna do is I'm going to close out everything and I'm gonna choose something. See how powerful that, that step is? I'm gonna close out all the noise, I'm gonna close out all the naysayers, I'm gonna close out all the media, I'm gonna close out all of my family, I'm gonna close out all the distractions as best I can, and I'm gonna choose something, and the something I'm gonna turn up as loud as my phone will let me. As loud as these earphones will not distort the music, and I'm going to feed into my thinking the thing that's gonna give me a mindset of victory in this moment. And I'm gonna play it, and I'm gonna replay 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 it. And until we lose three times in a row, I'm gonna keep playing it. And I'm gonna choose how to funnel into my thinking and into my soul Whatever it is that I believe is gonna put me in the frame of mind to go out and have the most successful opportunity in this moment. And if you think about it, that's life. And I believe Psalm 23 can be a nice, sweet, church, Bible text, or it can become the soundtrack of victory in your life and in my life. It can become for you the truth of God that puts you in the mindset that your God is gonna lead you forward in a successful manner, no matter what the circumstance and the noise in your life. And God is giving you and me that opportunity. He's saying, I want to become to you a leader, a shepherd in your circumstance and situation. And if you let me do that, I am making extraordinary promises to you today. And if you'll take those promises up and if you will allow me to be the leader, the shepherd of your life, then some amazing things can happen. And the result at the end of the day is your soul is going to be a lot better off than it is right now. The internal barometer of what you feel and think about life and about you is going to be a lot healthier if you will let me lead you, if you'll take me up on this promise. And so instead of just reading Psalm 23, let me we all just read it together and just remind ourselves of the promise of God into and over our lives today. And then over the next few minutes, we're gonna zero in on one phrase and kind of break that down and try to put that into a practical place for each one of us walking out of here today. So Psalm 23, let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So what is the shepherd promising you? He says, if you will let me lead you, if you will recognize that you're a sheep and you need help, and if you'll recognize that I'm a good leader and a good shepherd, here's what I'll do for you. I'll just break down the key operative words. He says, number one, I will make you. I'll make you lie down in green pastures. Now, that sounds awesome to lie down in green pasture, but he had to make us do that. So number one thing we're saying by recognizing that I'm a sheep and you're going to be the leader, I'm a sheep, you're going to be the shepherd is, you're going to make me do some things. So if your operating grid coming in was nobody makes me do anything, you're not going to be a good candidate for having a healthy soul. Because a healthy soul comes from letting the shepherd lead you, recognizing that if it's up to you, you're not going to make the best decision every single time. Can, can we all get on the same page with that right now? If it's up to you and it's up to me, we're not going to make the best decision for our soul every single time. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, is anybody fighting up against that right now? No, I make amazing decisions for my soul. I have the healthiest soul on planet Earth because I call all the shots in my life. You got a problem with that? (laughs) So that's number one. He makes me. He's going to make us do some things. So if you you want a relationship with God where he doesn't make you do anything, then then that's not going to work in in this context because God is the maker of everything. He made heaven and earth, and he made you, and he makes you and me do some things, but he only makes us do the things that make our soul live. He's going to make us. It says he's going to lead us. Side quiet waters, he's gonna restore us and he's gonna guide us in paths of righteousness. So if you're willing to let him be the leader, you be the sheep, let him be the shepherd and you be the one following him, then he's gonna make you, lead you, restore you and guide you. Would you like that? Would you like to be made? Would you like to be led? Would you like to be restored? And would you like to be guided? He's offering that today. And then he says, Um, And even if you go through difficult times, the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I don't fear any evil. You know why? Because you are with me. My shepherd is with me in the valley of the shadow of death. When dark times come, when opposition comes, when hardship comes, when trials come, when the difficult moments come, I don't fear evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That means you have strength and power for any enemy that comes after me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. So the comfort word is really you protect me, you prepare a table is really you provide for me and you anoint me, you bless me and empower me. So here's what he's doing. He's making, he's leading, he's restoring, he's guiding, he's protecting, he's providing, he's anointing and blessing you and me. And then the very last thing he does, he follows us. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. What is good? 
goodness and love. That's God's presence in our lives. That's not something, that's somebody. So he leads me and he follows me. So going out, I've got my shepherd leading me. And guess what? I've got a shepherd coming behind me. That's the people of God when they're being freed out of bondage in Egypt. It was a cloud by day and fire by night. And at times that cloud in that column would move from front to back. It was a picture of God being before them and behind them on the journey. So if you're willing, there's an offer on the table today, and the offer is that God Almighty will be your shepherd. And he'll make you, he'll lead you, he'll restore you, he will guide you, he'll protect you and provide for you and anoint you and follow you all the days of your life until you arrive at the house of God forever. And when you take him up on that offer, it, be, it creates a rhythm. It tunes out and you select what goes in and it begins to put us in a mindset of success. And here's what I love about it. He does it right in the middle of the fray. This verse five is the one we're gonna zero in on today. And it says, you, my shepherd, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, you don't have to raise your hands, but does anybody sense or feel at any level that you're in spiritual conflict, that you're in any kind of conflict? that you're in relational conflict or business conflict or marriage conflict or inside of you conflict with you and there's some tension in your life, there's some struggle in your life. If you do, here's an amazing promise of God. I wanna be a shepherd to you who provides for you what you need in the middle of the battle, whatever the battle is. So I don't know what you're up against today, but God knows what you're up against today. And, and the promise of the gospel isn't an escapist theology like, I'm gonna get you out of whatever you're up against today. You got people at work that are against you. You got people out in the world that are against you. You got somebody in your family that's against you. Are you against you? Are you struggling with your own temptation? Are you struggling with your own mentality? Well, I'm just gonna pluck you out of that and get you over here in a little happy land and me and you are gonna have a table over here in happy land. He said, no, here's the power of your shepherd. Your shepherd wants to prepare a feast and a table for you and invite you to the table with him in the middle of the battle. So wherever you are and whatever you're up against, at any point in your life, your shepherd right there and right then will provide what you need. And that is the beauty of having a soul that can rest at all times because come on, on any given day, at any given moment, the situation can change. Circumstances can change. The opinions of people can change and we can find ourselves in a battle. You know, this is a, a good message spoken, but it's probably a better message seen. So let me just shift gears for a minute and see if we can get a mental picture that maybe helps us understand this principle. And for all you guys, if you did come early to sit on the front, I'm sorry, come back again on another day. But there are big screens up there. You'll be able to watch it. I should have gone off that side. I just want to see y'all closer. I see who, who I need to be concerned about. Hi. 
So these guys have been thinking the whole time. If he's not paying close attention, I'm, I'm eating off of this table right here. I don't know what it is or why it is, but it smells good, doesn't it? Maybe. Don't, don't mind if I do. So here's a picture. It's not of a God who says, wow, you're in trouble. I want to get you out of trouble. I want to protect you from a broken world. I want to insulate your life from any family member or any business partner or anybody at the office or anybody in your classroom or your neighborhood who's annoying you or antagonizing you or against you. He says, no, in the middle of it all, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to show the whole world that you are my sheep and that your shepherd is a serious shepherd, serious enough to be able to provide for you everything you need to succeed even when you are surrounded by your enemies. Now, I'm not saying you guys are my enemies, but you are for the point of the story today. And so you have to imagine being invited to a table. Now, the context of this scripture is what says when he prepares a table for me, he's not talking about a table. He's talking about a feast. So he prepares for us a feast. The, the content and context of the story would be this is a person of high regard preparing a lavish feast. This isn't someone inviting you over for a carrot stick. This is somebody putting a spread out for you that you walk in and go, wow, that looks amazing. And in the presence of the conflict, in the presence of whatever's going crazy, in the presence of whatever I think is happening or what is really happening, my shepherd says, I've got what you need and I'm going to provide for you. And you just look around the table, and it's awesome. You've got, I mean, if you're like the whole 30 person, come on. I mean, we got it for you right here. Have a piece of cauliflower. Enjoy that. that I'll be back for dinner, you know? And um, <laughs> I hope that works. And you're like, Louie, I, I can't see good, but I'm thinking my enemy is not, you know, like around the table. My enemy is on the table right now. I don't know what that guy is, but that's my enemy right there. So what do I do when I'm not surrounded by my enemies, but the Lord prepares a table before me and my enemy's on the table right now? I mean, look at that guy right there. I mean, that looks, wow. If that, if, well, that's you. I mean, if that's, hey, look, you've got, you've got options today. That's what we're going to talk about. So if your enemy's on the table, just take it off the table. Here, you mind holding that? Awesome. Thank you. So, see, so good. We're good. Now we're down to better. See how that worked? You have an invitation from a shepherd, the shepherd of the sheep, to sit down with him right now, no matter what's happening around you, and to realize that he wants to provide for you and will provide for you what you need. Now, why is that important? It's important, so interesting seeing you guys. I, I can't see past the fourth row, so this is, new, this is new territory for me. So I'm just gonna check you all out. So if it looks like I'm checking you out, I'm checking you out, okay? I'm just trying to see who's out here. And you look amazing, by the way. You, you didn't think when you sat here that I was gonna be here. So if it makes you nervous, just give me the sign and I'll get away. I'll move further, further back. Um, I'll tell you why it's important. Because we're living in war. We're living in spiritual war, 
Some of you are living in real conflict. Uh, some of you are walking through things with business partners. Somebody stole money from you. It's real. You didn't make it up. You didn't imagine it. It's a real thing. You've got to go through restitution. There's going to be maybe mediation. Maybe there's going to be some legal proceeding that's going to go on. You're going to hope to get your money back and recover what you lost. It's real conflict, and it's around you right now. A lot of us are dealing with conflict on the outside, but some of us are dealing with conflict on the inside. I mean, your battle's not with anybody that you can name. Your battle's with you. You're struggling. You do the things you don't want to do. You don't do the things you do want to do. Um, you, you think you're going crazy. Sometimes you think you're two different people or three or four, and sometimes you don't know, you know whether you can trust yourself, and, and things are just confused and cloudy on the inside. There's a battle in here of whether, you know, what you think about you. That's where the fight is right now. That's where the enemies are right now. There are enemies outside of us and enemies inside of us, but here's the thing that the Scripture wants to make clear. All of our struggle at the end of the day, at the bottom of it all, is not against flesh and blood. That's what Paul wrote. It's against the powers and the authorities and the rulers. So at the root of it all is an enemy, the enemy, Satan himself, who Jesus said comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if your marriage goes under, it's not just because of irreconcilable differences. There's an enemy out there that wants to destroy what God wants to make beautiful. If you're crazy right now and feel like you're losing your mind, it's not just because you were working too hard or your, your uncle was crazy. It's because there's an enemy in the world who wants to get in your head, confuse your confidence, and take you out if he can. And take away from God's glory what God wanted to do in and through your life. We're all the created children of God. And God has a purpose and a plan for every one of us. And if the enemy can wreck that plan, he can dent God's heart and God's glory. In the same way, if someone did something to one of your children, as a parent, you hear parents say it all the time. What do they say? It happened to them, but you know what? It hurt me more then it hurt them. Why? Because kids are resilient. Kids can adapt. Kids figure it out. Kids get back up again. Kids go on. But sometimes the parents never can. In the same way, the enemy, when he dents our lives and distorts our lives and breaks our lives, it breaks our Father's heart because he sees the potential in you, the possibility in you. He sees what can be in you. And you know how he believes it's going to happen in you? When you let him be your shepherd and you put on the soundtrack of success and you let him tell you who you are and who he is and what you can do and what he's going to do in and for your life. And in the middle of the conflict, around and within us, the enemy is prowling all the time. First Peter chapter 5 describes the enemy like this. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So he's always on the prowl. He's always looking and listening and like trying to find a way in and a, and a weakness and a, and a tendency and, oh, a relationship broke down over here. Let me get in there and see if I can't just like get up in the middle of that real fast and say, oh, y'all not liking each other right now? Well, I wouldn't like him either. Guys, I told you five times, the guy's an idiot. You're going to drop this loser right here. You want me to help you? I'll tell you how we're going to take him out before he takes you out. Hey, he's going to take you out, brother. You better watch your back. He's looking for a little crack, either in your thinking, 
in your character, in your relationships, in your opportunities. He's looking for a little crack. He's always prowling around and he's not prowling around just going, well, how's everybody doing? He's prowling around looking for someone to devour, to take out. And your shepherd said, in the middle of it all, I wanna prepare a table and it has two seats, one for me, the shepherd, and one for you, my sheep. I am the king of the universe, so it's gonna be everything you need is gonna be on the table. And there's gonna be a chair for me, king of the universe, chair for you, my sheep. I, oh, but, 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 but right now it wouldn't be a good time. I, I got crazy happening everywhere. I know, this is a great time. Sit down. I don't wanna sit down right now. I gotta go punch somebody out right now. No, I'm gonna make you sit down right now at the table. And I wanna make you look at me and I want you to see who's sitting across the table from you. I want you to see that you're sharing a meal with the king of the universe. And, and we're not gonna ignore the crazy, but we're gonna start with the table and with me. And the enemy who's prowling around, here's the, this has been a powerful personal truth for me for the last few years. The, the, the beauty of it all is that you have the power to choose who sits at your table. And this became a powerful and is in this moment a powerful operating principle in my life. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And so here's, here's what happens. You're talking to somebody over a latte and they're saying, man, this and that and the other and blah, 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 blah. And I've done it and you've done it. And before long, we're defeated. Everybody's against us. We're never gonna make it. The world's upside down. It's all unfair. And what we are doing is recounting a conversation that we did not have with our shepherd. So who'd we have it with? We must have had it with the prowling, roaring enemy who at some point kind of cozied up into the moment and when there was a little bit of a distraction and maybe we took our eyes off Jesus and he thought he could sort of weasel into the moment, he said, hey, do you mind if I like pull up a chair? How you doing? How you doing? Do you mind just sitting right here and being me for a minute? Would it be all right? Yeah, you, you seemed okay. You didn't harm me when I sat down in your lap. And so he's just here. And before you know it, he's here. And he starts talking. And when he starts talking, I promise you he's going to say something in these three orbits, okay? And you can just chill for a minute. Don't worry, you're good. He's going to say something in these three orbits, okay? Number one orbit. He's going to say, do you see all what's happening around you, man? You are not going to make it. Anybody heard that? You are not going to make it, bro. Sister, you're not going to make it. 
This is the end of the road for you. And this, whatever this is, it's going to take you out. You better have a drink, bro. You know? That's mine, but, you know, just as a, it's just kind of like a, no, it's just like a illustration. This is all. And so if you've heard, you're not going to make it. You'll never come back. You will never live life again. You're not going to survive this. You'll never beat this. Have you heard that? You will never beat this. You will never change. You will never be free. You will never be different. You'll never break through this. If you've heard that, I promise you, that's not coming from your shepherd. Who said, I will make you, I will lead you, I will restore you, I will guide you into paths of righteousness for the glory of God. I will protect you and prepare everything you need and provide for you. I will anoint you and I will follow you. So if anybody's telling you, you will not win, you will not beat it, you will never break free, you'll never be different, you'll never change, you're not going to make it, you're not going to survive this. It's not coming from your shepherd. It's coming from the enemy and you let him sit down at your table. And you have the power to decide who sits at your table. And you can exercise that power when you're looking face to face with your Savior to say, you don't have a place at my table. You can prowl around, but you can't sit down. You can't stop him from prowling. There's nothing in Scripture that says he prowls around like a roaring lion. Oh, but you can shoot him down and make him not prowl around. He's prowling, but he can prowl, but he can't sit down. And when he comes, because we're not going to have like a miraculous, you know, moment here where come Friday, nobody feels the pressure. But when you're feeling it and you're starting to believe it and buy into it, you got to think. You can prowl around, but you cannot sit down at my table. I'm not giving you a seat at my table. And hey, some of that is just going to be him in your mind, putting these thoughts in your mind, planting these thoughts in your mind. But some of him being at your table is going to be in the form of a person that you let sit at your table who is mimicking all of the things that the enemy wants to cram into your mind. And you're going to have to tell them for a season or maybe forever, you know what? Uh, I'm going to have to ask you not to be at my table right now. You have the power to decide who your shepherd's going to be. And you have the power to say to the enemy, in Jesus' name, you don't get a seat at my table. The second kind of orbit of things he's going to say to you, he sits down at your table, he's going to tell you, you know what, you never were good enough anyway. You know, you never mattered anyway. You're not, you don't deserve it. You're not worthy of it. And I don't even know why you think that God would help you. And if you've heard that, it did not come from the shepherd of the sheep. That's coming from the enemy. And when you start listening to him, you're having a conversation with a killer. 
Jesus said in John 10, 10, a phrase that we all know so well, but he says the thief comes to do what? Do you know what he came to do? Simple game plan. So it's not rocket science, right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come, Jesus said, that, you, that they may have life and have it to the full. And look at the very next verse. So it's no coincidence that these two verses live next door to each other. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. <laughs> the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. That's what the enemy does to you, right? He sets you up, he knocks you down. Then when, when trouble comes, he's gone. And you're just hanging out to dry again, wondering like what happened. You know, he tempts us with, it's gonna be amazing. Turns out it's not amazing. And then when it's not amazing, guess what? He's not there going, hey bro, let me help you out of this dilemma because this is not amazing. No, now he's telling you, you're an idiot. Now he's telling you, you're the dumbest person I've ever met. Now he's telling you, I can't believe you did that. And then God certainly isn't gonna hear your prayer now. And you're like, wait a minute, you're the person who told me if I did that, it was really gonna make me feel better. And now that I actually don't feel good and everything's falling apart, you're the one blaming me and telling me God's not gonna help me. You're the one who told me it was gonna be amazing in the first place, but we forget all that and we just go, yeah, you're right. I'm sure God isn't gonna help me. He's a hired hand who doesn't have any vested interest in you. He didn't make you. He didn't redeem you. He didn't give his life and his blood for you. He's simply on the prowl to steal, kill, and destroy and to distort the glory of God by crushing God's dreams for your life. And if you say, well, it was my mom, or it was my dad, or it's my brother, or it was my neighbor, it was my former boss, or it was the circumstances, or this happened, or that happened, when you're saying all that, and when I'm saying all that, you're just asking him to pull up a chair at your table. And you're forgetting that the God of the universe has invited you to a feast. Not because he doesn't think you're good enough, but because he loves you. Not because he doesn't like you, because he loves you. Not because he thinks you should you know, go jump off a cliff. Because he loves you, he's prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And he invites you not to a contract, but to a moment, a relationship with him. He says, this other sheep, he doesn't know what's going on. But he said, I lay down my life, this is verse 17, for the sheep. So you're sitting face to face with the God of the world who's given his life for you and you're saying to yourself, I don't matter. And I don't deserve it. Well, we didn't earn it, but God lavished it on us. And it makes him happy when, you know, if you, if you just had something, you know, please do just have something, anything, just have it. It's real. I mean, it would be like God for it to be, you know, wax, you know, because he's got to use it a lot. There's a lot of us, you know, but it's real. And it honors God when you say, well, I don't, I don't mind if I do. Pineapple? You like some cantaloupe? Anybody? Yeah, I don't have napkins, but you know. It doesn't honor the feast giver. 
for you to sit across the table from the feast and go, I don't deserve this. And if you come to my house and Shelly puts out something amazing and you sit down and go, you know what? I've never really felt like y'all like me. <laughs> and I, 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 I don't really feel worthy of a, of a meal like this. And so y'all eat, but I'm not gonna eat. That as a host and a giver of the feast absolutely frustrates me to no end. Because it really is just a prideful affront to the generosity of a heart. And God is inviting you to a table. So the first orbit of things he's going to say to you is, you know, when you get to this moment, you're not going to make it. The enemies are going to take you down. They always have and they always will. The second thing he's going to tell you is you're not, you're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. You don't deserve it. But the third orbit of things he's going to say to you, get down into the real world. He's going to tell you at the table when he gets there, he's going to say something to you like, hey, you know, uh, would you like to have a, a pepper? You know, everybody is against you anyway. No one likes you. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but is anybody feeling that? You know, the people at work can't stand you. People tolerate you. Nobody really likes you, man. I'll tell you more over that. They're against you. Nobody's ever respected you. Nobody even notices you, man. You could fall off the face of the planet. It wouldn't even be a blip on the radar, man. Who cares? I mean, have you ever noticed when you walk into work, people don't even look up, man? That's because they all hate you. Your boss hates you. That lady at that desk over there hates you. Look at her. Look at her looking at you right now. Hates you. And you know what? There are people in this room who are walking through life right now, and you believe the whole world is against you. And maybe there are some people against you. I'm, I'm not trying to be unrealistic, okay? Maybe there's somebody at work who has it in for you. But there might be a bunch of other people at work who are just working on a spreadsheet when you came in. <laughs> and I'm sorry they didn't put the computer down and go, oh, look, Marvin is here today. Marvin is here, everybody. He's amazing. Hi, Marvin. I missed you. <laughs> but the enemy is at your table. And the enemies told you everyone hates you and everyone's against you. So you came in in a defensive posture. You came in looking around for rejection. You came in expecting to be hated. You came in expected to be talked about in the break room. You came in thinking everybody's got a plot out for you. And so when you looked over and they were working on a spreadsheet, you went, look at them. They won't even make eye contact. They won't even look up from what they're doing right now. Oh, my gosh. They're, oh, oh my goodness. They're, they're all against me. And before long, you think your family's against you, and you have a storyline that goes something like this. And man, I've met so many people like this. Every story ends like this. Somebody was out to get me. Every story. Reason I had to leave that town, they were out to get me. Reason I had to quit that job, they were out to get me. Reason we blew up that family, they were out to get me. Reason why that business deal went sideways, oh, they were out to get me everybody is out to get me. And they didn't realize that nine stories later, it was always somebody else's fault. 
And do you know some of that could be that there was conflict and tension? And if there is, by the way, that needs to be worked on and resolved. But working on it and resolving it is different than onboarding it, letting it get underneath your soul and rip your peace of mind apart. That's different. That's giving the enemy a seat at your table. That's not saying, I got to work on this with my neighbor because we got a real like resolution that needs to happen over our property dispute. But I'm not going to go to bed tonight thinking about all the ways that I can like, you know, get back to my neighbor about that. And now it's 3.30 and I'm staring at the ceiling and I'm thinking, I'm going to go over there right now and rip their lawn up. That's when the enemy now has seen an opportunity and you forgot, we're going to work out the property dispute, but we're going to work it out with me sitting at a table with the king of the universe. And I'm not going to let it turn into World War III in my soul so where I got to go drink myself to sleep again tonight. Because my soul is not only not at rest, it is absolutely in a knot, in a fit. And when the enemy comes and tells you everybody's against you, here's what's going to happen. Here's how you'll know. You will start walking through life with your fists closed. And you'll start walking through the office door or the classroom door or the neighborhood door in a defense posture. And you'll start thinking before they say something about me, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to say something about them. Before they hit me, I'm hitting them. So now I'm starting a war. I'm starting to tell people about them. And I now am in a posture where I'm expecting everybody to hit. And in that posture, I can never express the power of the shepherd of my soul. Here's why, at the end of the day, thank you very much. That's amazing, and we'll save that to the next gathering. And uh, you don't have to hold that forever, but thank you. That was awesome. It was amazing that you didn't eat any of that. That was phenomenal. 11.45 gathering, I would have down one of those things. I mean, that's the largest thing I've ever even seen before. I mean, for real. Look at that. I'm not kidding. That... Here, you eat it. Try it. Just try it. I don't know. I don't know if it's good or not. It's heavy. Amazing. Get back to me on that. But here's the thing. This is the amazing part of this. Okay, we're kind of coming down to the end. This is the amazing part that we would typically miss in this message because we're me-centered people. So we would leave this message with, I have a shepherd, and he's going to punch out my enemies. He's got a rod in one hand and a staff in the other, and he's going to take the enemy down. And he's going to provide what I need emotionally, spiritually, physically, tangibly, in conflict, in the middle of it all. And that's what I need. That's where we would end this talk. But I want you to see something different. The reason why he put the table in the middle of your enemies was to show all your enemies how amazing your God is. That's why he put your table in the middle of your enemies. So that your enemies have to watch God provide for you. And if you have real enemies, that's going to annoy them. And if anybody needs a shepherd, they're going to know where to look. You see the power of that? You see how powerful that is? I love um, the way this one writer wrote this. And this is from a great theologian. And he said, 
God wants to provide in the presence of our enemies in spite of them or so that they can't prevent God from shepherding you. They're compelled to look on and see how God provided for you. It was obvious, or the word the theologian uses, it was manifest that this was from God. It was proof of divine favor. It furnished an assurance that he who had done this would never leave the sheep in need. The friends of God are made to triumph in the very presence of their foes. (laughs) And their enemies are compelled to see how God interposes in their behalf, how he provides for them, how he defends them. So we get what we need, which is peace of mind. I've got a shepherd right here providing me everything I need, telling me truth, rooting me in truth, reminding me of truth, filling my mind with truth. I'm going to set my eyes on him, not on the prowling lion. I'm going to set my eyes on him and push the enemy away from my table, not by fighting the enemy, but just by locking eyes with my shepherd and listening to him, believing in him, doing what Sabbath was all about. What did we say over and over? We're going to stop, rest, and remember. Sabbath is to stop, to rest, and remember. So when the conflict rages, I'm going to have to deal with that at some point. But what's my first thing? Stop. Rest. Rest isn't take a nap. Rest is take a pause. And I'm going to remember. Remember what? King of the universe is sitting with me. My shepherd runs the world. My shepherd has everything I need. My shepherd will not leave me in want. The, the other way this, this psalm reads, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. If Jesus is leading you, what are you missing? Hello? If Jesus is leading you, what are you missing? If Jesus makes you, leads you, restores you, guides you, protects you, provides for you, anoints you, and follows you, then what are you missing? Nothing. So I've stopped, rest, and remember who He is and who I am in Him. And now I'm hearing a new rhythm. I'm hearing a new rhythm. I'm hearing a soundtrack that says, I'm going to make it through the valley of the shadow of death. That's why I'm going to fear no evil. I'm going to be anointed with oil, and my cup's going to overflow. Watch out, people. My cup's going to overflow. That just simply means there's going to be a moment. There's going to be a moment where I can say, hey, have what you want. Please have some of that. Have a few of these if you don't mind, because you know what? My cup is overflowing. I feel good about life. I feel good about life. I'm not sitting over here going, man, I got a table and I got a shepherd. Somebody watching my back. Like, no, God has got my back. Surely goodness and love follow me. It's good to have a friend that has your back, right? But what about when they're in Tampa on business? It's good to know that God has got your back. Your shepherd has your back. So you just go ahead and go to sleep tonight. 
you just go ahead and lie down in green pasture tonight. You just go ahead and sleep. Because you got a shepherd. And he's not going to sleep. Your best buddy got your back snoozing in Duluth. Your shepherd watching over the sheep watching over you. So let's just say it again if we can. Tex is going to come up here. <laughs> Sorry. Let's just read it together. The Lord is my shepherd. Shall not. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and the days of my life and I will dwell 